Tonight we're going to consider the, the topic, and it is a topic, but it's based on Scripture, decision-making and the will of God. I've come to believe that life is shaped by a series of crucial moments and the decisions that we make uh, in those moments. Our response during those moments sets the stage for all of life. They don't come every day, but they come in every life. Those critical moments don't happen due to some appointment that you make on the calendar of your life, but on some appointment that God has calendared for you on, in, in your life. So it could be tonight some one of you here will make a decision about the future of your relationship with God and that, will, that decision, that single decision about you and the future of your relationship with God will shape the rest of your life. I can tell you that I can summarize my life from the time I was 17 years old until today by just a handful of decisions. Most of us who are older, I think, would say that. There are just some crucial moments in our life when we made decisions that changed or altered the course of the direction we were going and kept us moving in the direction that God wanted us to go or away from that direction. Those decisions have shaped my life and the life of my family. Change one of those decisions anywhere along the way and the outcome of my life would be radically different. I don't give credit to myself for that. I give credit to God for that, his grace and his mercy in helping me with some of those decisions. Now, looking back, I made some decisions that were good along the way. But looking back, I also made some decisions were bad, and some of them uh, were out of step for the will of God in my life. Some of them were in step with the will of God for my life. But I can tell you this based on the experience that I've had across the years, the next time I make a major life decision, I want that decision to be based on God's will and not my own. And so that's what I would encourage you tonight, wherever you are in your journey of life, to, to just listen tonight and see if you would not rather for God in heaven to choose the course of your life and to make your decisions for you based on what he knows about what he has planned for your life, rather than for you to randomly throw darts at a board to try to hit or try to choose or to flip a coin and say, I'll either go this way or that. So <clears throat> how do you know when you're at some major life crossroad? How do you know when you, how do you distinguish between one of those decisions that won't leave any ripples on the surface of your life and one that will not only touch your life and the life of your family but will also touch eternity. Now tonight we're going to just look at a little slice out of the life of Abraham. We're going to be looking in the book of Genesis, also in the book of Acts, by the way, at Abraham. But Abraham was a decision maker. And like you and me, some of his decisions were good and some of them were bad. Some of them were ordinary. They really made no decision in his life or anyone else's. I used to have to decide 
which side of my head I was going to part my hair on. This week, someone sent me a little picture. Michael Van Nort would like to know this. They sent me a little picture, one of those little memes, you know. They said, bald men have a combs. They just don't know how to part with it, you know. And, and a bald man can't part with a comb. He really has no use for one. If he's a good bald man, I would say, if he's a good bald man, Brother Eddie has no use for a comb at all. I used to have to make a decision like that, and I'm sure Abraham made some of those decisions. Should I trim my beard today or not? Should I do this today? Some of those decisions that we make have absolutely no impact on life. Ordinary decisions. But some of his decisions were so significant that they continue to touch our lives to this very day. So I want to suggest to you that those significant decisions in our lives grow out of some kind of encounter with God and our response to him. Like Abraham, we, make, we, make, we may make that decision as a husband or as a father or as a businessman or as a soldier, but those decisions will have a far-reaching impact. And, and it also may be that tonight, not only will God bring you to make some decision that will shape the rest of your life, for some of you whose journey has been a little longer, it may be that tonight God will bring you to grieve over some past decision. Uh, some choice you made that carried you or your family on a collision course with disaster. But this message is not really meant to show you past mistakes, but help you see how to not make those mistakes in the future. So I want to lay out one principle at the very beginning before we read any scripture, and that is this. Live your life alert to moments that are appointments with God. God has those arranged for you. He has some arranged for you this week, some arranged for me this week, some that are absolutely life-altering, life-changing moments. Live your life alert. In other words, keep your eyes open. Expect there to be moments in your life that are divine appointments, God having scheduled them on the journey of your life. Now, I want to read from the book of Genesis uh, this is not our main text, and it, yet it is our main text. We're going to come back and, and, and consider it. I'm going to begin reading in the 24th verse of the 11th chapter of the book of Genesis, and I'm going to read through chapter 12, verse 1. These verses aren't going to be on the screen, so you can follow along. Just listen as I read or follow along in your Bible. Nahor, that's Abraham's granddaddy, lived 29 years and became the father of Terah. That's Abraham's daddy. Terah lived 70 years and became the father of Abraham, Nahor, and Haran. Now these are the records of the generations of Terah. Terah became the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran, and Haran became the father of Lot. Haran died in the presence of his father Terah in the land of his birth in Ur of the Chaldeans. Abram and Nahor took wives for themselves. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife was Milcah, the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah and Iscah. Sarah was barren. She had no child. Terah took Abram, his son, and Lot, the son of Haran, his grandson, and Sarai, his daughter-in-law, his son Abram's wife. And they went out together from Ur of the Chaldeans. 
in order to enter the land of Canaan. And they went as far as Haran and settled there. The days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. Chapter 12, verse 1. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you. Now the story of, of Abraham begins in the 11th chapter of Genesis, and this simple reading seems to introduce us. It seems to introduce us to the first major decision in Abraham's life, the moment when Abraham decided it was time for him to be obedient to God and to leave his father's house and his father's family and to go on a journey with God. But the story is not quite that simple. As a matter of fact, in order to understand Abraham as a decision maker, we need to look at the book of Acts chapter 7 because that's where we're introduced to Abraham's first encounter with God. Now remember, this is not recorded in Genesis. So you say, well, if it's not recorded in Genesis, how is it recorded in the book of Acts? Because the Holy Spirit is the author of Scripture. And when the Holy Spirit puts anything in Scripture, no matter where he puts it in Scripture, it's true. It's true in the book of Acts. It's true in the book of Genesis. In the book of Acts, we have the rest of the story. So God chooses to reveal it to us. In Acts chapter 7, verse 2, Stephen is preaching. It's his final sermon before they stone him to death. He says, Stephen does, the God of glory, that's the God of heaven, appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he lived in Haran. You understand that? What we read in Genesis is that when he lived in Haran, God spoke to him and said, Go to a land that I will show you. There is no record of that disappearance in the book of Acts in Genesis. However, as we read about this moment in the book of Acts, it gives us a timeline of Abram's obedience against the timeline of God's activity. This is when God encountered Abram, he appeared to Abram, and he called Abram. That's what Stephen says in the book of Acts, chapter 7, verse 2. And so that's what the Holy Spirit says, the Holy Spirit filling in the story for us that God spoke to Abraham, appeared to him, and spoke to him when he was living in Mesopotamia. Now, according to Stephen, uh, this was a significant encounter with God long before God spoke to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. And you will see that long before God simply spoke in Genesis chapter 12, that's all it says, God said that God appeared in, according to Acts chapter 2, that's a moment of great significance. It is always a moment of great significance when in Scripture God appears to any person. So it was at that moment that Abraham received his first invitation from God, that was the moment God called him to go to the promised land. I'm going to read 7, Acts 7, verses 2 through 4. That's our main text for tonight, if you'll just hold on. And he said, Hear me, brethren and fathers. The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia, before he lived in Iran, and said to him, Leave your country and your relatives 
and come into the land that I will show you. Then he left the land of the Chaldeans and settled in Haran. From there, as we read in Genesis, after his father died, God had him moved to this country uh, in which you are now living. So God's call was clear. Depart from your relatives and come into the land that I will show you. But Abraham was not immediately obedient. In fact, Abraham seemed to be following, he seemed to be following more than he was following the will of God in Genesis chapter 11. Look at it carefully. He seems to be following the will of his father because in Genesis eleven thirty one it says, Terah took Abram his son and Lot the son of Haran and the course of Abram's, the course of Terah's decision that that carried on into them moving toward Canaan. They intended to go into Canaan, but they never made it. Now here's the question. Did Abraham's delay make a difference? So what I'm telling you is that in the timeline of Scripture, when we read the New Testament, we compare the New Testament with the Old Testament, we see that God earlier than here it says in the book of Genesis, there was an earlier moment in Abram's life when God appeared to him God spoke to him, and God said, Come into the land that I will show you. Well, in one way, as we ask this question, did it make a difference? In one way, you might say no. But it made a difference in the way God approached him in years later. In Genesis 12, after the death of his father, God did not appear to Abraham. You will say, oh, yes, he did, but just wait. In chapter 12, verse 1, verse 2, God did not appear to Abraham. He spoke to him. Now, perhaps this was all a part of God's plan, or perhaps it was in response to Abraham's own reluctance to obey God the first time. But in Genesis 12, 1, look at what God says. He says, go. What was Abraham's word from God the first time? Come. To me, that's a significant difference. To me, there's a great deal of difference between go and come. One is an order. One is an invitation. The first encounter with God was an invitation. God appeared to him and said, come, go with me. Now, what did God call Abraham? Anybody remember what God called Abraham? Something unique in the Old Testament. He called him friend. He called him friend. A friend doesn't say to another friend, go. A friend says to another friend, come, come. So here is God inviting Abraham into a re unique relationship that apparently at that point in time, Abraham wasn't ready for. So uh, apparently this happened between somewhere in verse, between verse 30 and 31 of Genesis 11. That part of the story is not here, but it's in the book of Acts. So if you want your life to be shaped by the will of God, then you need to live alert to those moments that are appointments with God. God revealing himself to you. God clearly speaking to you. God telling you what he wants you to do. And God saying, maybe at an early stage of your life, come with me. Come on this journey with me and let me show you what I can do with you, through you, and in your life. The second principle, other than living alert to these appointments with God, would be to make up your mind in advance 
that should you recognize an encounter with God, that you will be, you will be obedient no matter what God requires. Up front saying, God, if you ever speak to me, if I ever know clearly that you're speaking to me and asking, you, asking me something, asking something of me, I will be obedient. Wouldn't that be safe enough to say that would be a good principle to have established in your life? That if you know clearly that God is speaking, that under, under no circumstances would you ever disobey God, but immediately you would obey God upon hearing Him speak. Do you think that Abraham recognized that he was having an encounter with God when God appeared to him in Mesopotamia? I think so. Do you think Abraham had made it up in his mind in advance that if he ever encountered God, he would be obedient, uh, whatever God required? Absolutely not, at least not at that point, and he wasn't. And so we see the first decision Abraham made was a bad decision. It was a critical decision because it was connected to an encounter with God. And the next thing that Abraham found happening in his life was that circumstances, as God, if God wants something to happen in your life, even if you drag your feet, this is interesting, I found it to be true in my own life, if God wants something to happen in your life, even if you drag your feet, God will bring you along if that's his will for that to happen. So one day Abraham's father walks up, God has spoken to him about moving to Canaan and Abraham just scratches his head, drags his feet, him hauls around with God and one day his daddy comes up and says, pack your stuff son, we're moving to Canaan. Well so Abraham gets on board and imagine how it must have hit him. It appears he offered no resistance. This was an easy way to follow his God. He'd just go with his family. He would have to move but it would require some major adjustments in his life. Isn't that how most of us want to walk with God? Well I'll, I'll walk with God as long as it doesn't cost me anything, if I can go along with my family, I can remember when God began to work with me as I, as I was a young man about answering the call to preach. And, and, and one of the things I did not want to do, I did not, and, and Babs can confirm this, I did not want to leave Stonewall, Mississippi under any circumstances. I did not want to leave. I did not. I wanted to live there the rest of my life or live somewhere near there and if it had been up to me that's what I would have done. I even called one of the pastors at First Baptist Church Quitman, Mississippi where Rex Yancey was the pastor before he came to First Baptist Pascagoula. Many of you will recognize the name Rex Yancey but there was a man at First Baptist Quitman. I didn't know him from Adam's house cat but I thought I'd call him up and see if I couldn't get an opportunity and I, this is the opportunity that I asked for. He was, his name was Ed North and I said, uh, look, I'm, I'm a seminary student, and uh, I'm, I'm looking for a place of ministry. Uh, couldn't you open up for me a place of ministry in the nursing home there in Quitman? Just let me work in Quitman. I can live in Stonewall, and I can work. He said, what you need to do, he was not nice to me at all. He was not nice to me. I don't know if he knew about me or he knew of me. I'm sure he talked to somebody about me after he hung up the phone. But he said, you should just get over it and go on and finish seminary and do what God wants you to do. He was not nice to me. I never had another conversation with a man, never have seen him, 
wouldn't know a picture of him, what he looked like, but it was important to me. It was a rebuke. It was a rebuke that not only came from him, but it came from God. So uh, we want to walk with God as long as it doesn't cost us anything, as long as we don't have to move, as long as we don't have to give up anything, as long as we can leave things the way we are, as long as we can cling to, the, to family and, and, and the familiar. So you see how God moved Abraham toward the promised land in spite of his reluctance. So I would just ask you, has God worked in a similar way in your life? Has he spoken and you are not obedient? You didn't, God, you, God clearly spoke to your heart and you said, well, I don't want to do that, at least not now. And then something happened to orchestrate things that you see that God is moving you in that direction in spite of your reluctance. It might be some door that opened to move you in that direction or it might be some door that God closed to keep you from moving in another why is it important to be obedient in God, to be, to be obedient to God? So let's talk for a minute. God wanted Abraham, remember, when he was still living in Mesopotamia, God appeared to him in Ur of the Chaldees and told him what he wanted him to do. I, I want you to come, and I want, to, I want us to go to Canaan. But he didn't do it. He waited. He didn't do it. Why was that important to be obedient to God? How important was it that Abram get to Canaan? Well, the promise of a son awaited his arrival in Canaan. His experience with God on Mount Moriah, you wonder why there's a war in Israel? It's all about Mount Moriah because that's where the temple is built. That's where the Al-Aqsa Mosque is. It's on Mount Moriah where Abraham offered Isaac his, his experience with God on Mount Moriah awaited his arrival in Canaan. Not only so, the unfolding drama of the world's salvation awaited his arrival in Canaan. But as we read in the rest of verse 31, we see that he only went as far as a place called Haran. And when the family decided to settle in, Abra in, in Haran, so did Abraham. His dad said, well, we'll stop here. Abraham said, okay, it's fine with me. We'll, we'll stop here. And in doing so, he settled short of the place that God wanted him to be. Now, is that what you have done? God has spoken to you and called you, and you went part of the way, but not all the way. And, and now you spend your days trying to justify to yourself and others why you were never fully obedient to God. Here is a man who is known in the Bible as a man who made significant decisions based on his faith in God. But at this point in his life, in the 11th chapter of the book of Genesis, he appears to have no faith in God at all. He had an encounter from God, received an invitation from God, yet stopped short of the will of God. And how did God respond? What did God say? He didn't say anything at all. As a matter of fact, God was silent in Abraham's life for a period of years. There is no written record of Abraham's experience the whole time he lived in Haran. So we look back at Acts chapter 7, verse 2. The God of glory appeared to Abram while he lived in Mesopotamia, but there is no such record of any visitation while he lived in Haran. Henry Blackaby identifies the following pattern that emerges in the lives of individuals that delay their obedience. And here, here's, here's the first one. And that is... They come to a crucial moment where they clearly hear, God, clearly hear God speak. They know exactly 
what God is asking them to do, and they know it is God. So, God, have you heard God speak? Do you know what it is that God is asking you to do, and do you know it's God? Abraham knew it was God. Second, a struggle ensues as they wrestle with God and his right to lay claim to their lives. Does God have a right to lay claim to your life? Does God have a right to tell you what to do and where to go? Does God have a right to speak to your heart and say to you, come with me, as he did with Abraham? Number three, if they refuse, God withdraws from them and they lose that urgent sense of call and all they have left is the memory of the encounter. Maybe you have a moment like that in your life, one that you sadly look back on. You clearly know that God spoke to your heart about a specific thing that he wanted you to do, and you said, not now, and so far it's been not ever. And finally, they go on with life doing their own will without ever discovering what God could have done in and through their lives. Now, if there has been an extended period of silence between you and God, you can, you can trace it back to the moment when you heard God speak and you stopped short of his will for your life. The absence of a record of God's activity during those years in Abraham's life is a commentary on his relationship with God. As far as we know, God was silent. You might not realize it, but the gap between chapter 11 and chapter 12 is staggering. <clears throat> and it may say more to us than any words written on the page. What's not there? They went out in order to enter Canaan, but they settled in Haran. How long were they there? Decades. Abram was apparently a young man when he left Ur. But when he finally left Haran, he was 75 years old. It's good to know that God can still, after you're 75 years old, or even beyond, pick you up and use you. Next point I want to make is this. Nobody ever plans to stay outside the will of God for an extended period of time. But days can turn into weeks, weeks can turn into months, and months can turn into years. So where are you tonight? Are you in the early stages of hearing God speak? You say, God's dealing with me about something. Then let me encourage you to be immediately and completely obedient. Have you made an initial response to God's call, some initial steps, but now you're tempted to just settle back and grow comfortable? Well, I think I'll just let this cook a little while. Remember, it was only after Abraham came to Canaan that God promised him a son. It was only after he came to Canaan that God revealed himself as God Almighty. It was only after he came to Canaan that he fellowshiped with angels. And it was only after he came to Canaan that he came to know God as Jehovah Jireh, the God who will provide. He had none of those experiences in Iran. He knew none of those blessings in Iran. Uh, they... They only became his after God got him to Canaan. Finally, let's, let's ask the final question. What did happen while Abraham parked his life 
in Haran, parked his life in disobedience to God. You say, well, he was partially obedient. He went part of the way. He went part of the way with his daddy because his daddy decided that they would go, not because Abraham was being obedient. And I'm not trying to disparage Abraham. I'm just showing you that everybody in the Bible, and I'm glad to know it, was sort of normal, just like you and me. They made some of the same mistakes that you and I make. Nevertheless, God can work with us in our brokenness and in our failure. What happened? We read about it in chapter 11, verse 32. The days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. That's where heartache invaded Abraham's life. And he was in Haran because at that moment, because he conveniently ignored God's leadership. Some of you who are thinking people will say, well, he would have died anyway. Yes, he would have died anyway. He would have died anyway. But it was certainly a wake-up call for Abraham. Most of my bad decisions have occurred because of my own insensitivity to God's leadership and somebody always got hurt. When I made a bad decision, somebody always got hurt. How much hurt is going to have to take place in your life while you stay parked halfway between where God wants you to be and where you are? According to, Acts, according to Stephen in Acts chapter 7, verse 4, it was after his father died that Abraham again heard from God the words we have written in chapter 12, verse 1. Go. And God did not appear to Abraham again until he got to Canaan. And when he got to Canaan, he built an altar. And God appeared to him there. Somebody had to die before Abraham was ready to respond to God, what's going to have to die in and around your life before you're ready to listen to God? So this time he's alert, and he did what God wanted him to do. So I told you early on, I've come to believe that life is shaped by a, by a series of critical moments and the decisions we make during those moments. Our response during those critical moments sets the stage for all of life, and they don't happen due to some appointment that you put on the calendar of your life, but rather some divine appointment that God puts on the calendar of your life. I wonder if this service has been one of those moments for you. Are you ready to obey God? God's timing is all always perfect. Whenever he speaks, that's the moment to be obedient. That's why in the scripture, in the Old Testament and the New Testament, God has placed the same verse. Today, if you hear his voice, harden not your heart. So I'm just asking you, are you in one of those moments when God, because he's very interested in being your friend, is saying to you, come with me on a journey that I want to take you on in life. Where would that journey begin, by the way? It would begin with you trusting Jesus Christ as your Savior if you've never done that. And God's probably been speaking to your heart about that. And when he began speaking to your heart about that, that's the first way that God says, come.
And when he says come, you, you come. You, you, you obey him. You make that step and say, I want to I make Jesus Christ the Lord of my life. I want to know him. I want to follow him. Well, maybe he's been saying that to you for a while about something else, some area of your life in which you need to surrender. And you haven't, but you know he wants you to. And you sort of parked your life. And now he's saying to you again, I want to be your friend and I want to invite you to come with me on a journey and let me show you what I can do. Otherwise, there's going to be a moment when God's going to be silent. He's not going to say anything and he's going to let you cook in your own juices and maybe let some heartache come into your life. And then one day you're going to wake up and God's going to say, okay, I told you before. Now go, and you'll realize this time that you don't have any choice at all but to do what God wants you to do. Let's pray.